0: hi i'm joanne from the full spectrum center limited an award-winning wellness and vocational training center and you're listening to the full spectrum wellness podcast this show is all about physical mental emotional and spiritual wellness and it's for people who are looking to improve their overall health and well-being Each week, I'll share with you all the positive takeaways, tools, techniques, and tips that I've gathered in both my personal and professional wellness journey that will help you to look, feel, and be well. With a dose of motivation and meditation to keep you going, I'll be joined by a few friends who will be sharing their insights along the way too. Welcome to episode 16 of our Full Spectrum Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited and happy to be back here with you for our 16th episode. Now, in just under four weeks time, I will be 52 years old and I've been reflecting on my life so far, as well as dealing with a few health issues related to aging and recurrence of some symptoms related to PCOS, a condition I was diagnosed with 30 years ago. This episode is about my PCOS journey and my hope is that by sharing it with other women who are struggling with it and with being diagnosed with it are inspired to take control of their health and well-being. Polycystic ovary syndrome, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome and PCOS for short, is a complex endocrine condition that affects a woman's hormone levels regardless of race or ethnicity. According to NICE, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, PCOS is one of the most common endocrine disorders affecting women of reproductive age. It's said to be a leading cause of infertility and can lead to all sorts of symptoms and risk factors. Irregular periods, no periods at all, periods lasting for days on end, heavier periods, weight gain, fatigue excess facial and body hair, severe acne, dark patches on the skin, male pattern baldness, pelvic pain, body pain, in particular pain in the neck, the back, the legs and joints, bloating or swelling in the lower abdomen, constipation, infertility issues, mood swings, depression, anxiety, sugar cravings, low vitamin D levels, sleep problems, excessive daytime sleepiness, bladder issues including urgency, stress incontinence and the need to urinate frequently at night, psychological disorders, poor executive functioning and memory, headaches and migraines are all part and parcel of dealing with PCOS and we're at higher risk of entering menopause early and developing conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, cholesterol, irritable bowel syndrome, fatty liver disease, sleep apnea and stroke. And a 2015 study found that women with PCOS are more likely to be diagnosed with endometriosis and endometrial cancer. And if you do manage to get pregnant, you're at a higher risk of pregnancy complications such as preeclampsia, miscarriage, pregnancy-induced high blood pressure, premature delivery and gestational diabetes. Now, it's thought that PCOS affects about one in every 10 women and those assigned female at birth here in the UK, which roughly translates into about 3.5 million women and as many as 5 million women in the US. More than half of these women do not have any symptoms at all. The exact causes aren't really known, but androgen levels, the male hormones that females have, are higher than normal and have an important part at play, as well as excess weight, family history, and insulin resistance. It's thought that PCOS has a genetic component. Research shows that women who have a mother or a sister with PCOS are more likely to develop PCOS than someone whose relatives do not have the condition. Sugar is the body's primary source of energy, and it's regulated in the body by insulin, which is secreted by the pancreas. Insulin resistance means an individual is unable to use insulin efficiently, which causes the pancreas to go into overdrive, secreting additional insulin to meet the body's glucose needs. Excess insulin is thought to affect a woman's ability to ovulate because of its effect on androgen production. Research has shown that women with PCOS have low-grade inflammation that stimulates polycystic ovaries to produce these androgens. It's very common for women to find out that they have PCOS when they experience problems getting pregnant, but in reality, it often begins soon after their first period, at the age of about 11 or 12, but it can also develop in the 20s and 30s. To help diagnose whether you have PCOS, doctors usually check that you have at least two of these three symptoms. Symptom number one is irregular periods or no periods at all caused from a lack of ovulation. Symptom number two is higher than normal levels of male hormones that may result in excessive hair on the face and body, acne or thinning scalp hair. And symptom number three, enlarged ovaries and multiple small cysts on or within the ovaries. Now, just having ovarian cysts isn't enough for a diagnosis. There are lots of women without PCOS who have cysts on or within their ovaries and lots of women with PCOS that don't have cysts at all. Cysts on the ovaries without any other symptoms is known as polycystic ovaries and that's very common affecting about one in five. Whereas cysts on or within the ovaries or lack of them alongside all the other symptoms is known as polycystic ovarian syndrome and that's what I was diagnosed with. As the charity Verity states on its website it manifests differently in each person and can be incredibly devastating to an individual's self-esteem and quality of life. There is no known cause or cure. Now, I can remember the first time I experienced one of my PCOS symptoms, as clear as if it was yesterday. I was in my teens and sat in a math lesson at high school. The teacher had written a formula on the board, and all of a sudden, the letters and the numbers began to look strange. Now, you know when you're watching the news and they want to block something, they pixelate it. Well, that's what it was like. I felt faint and then I vomited. I remember coming round in the school nurse's office. Yes, I'm that old we had a school nurse. My mum came to pick me up. I went to bed. I pulled the duvet over my head and I tried to sleep. But the slightest noise or flicker of light would cause an explosion in my head. And the pain was unbearable. Many a time in my 51-ish years since, I've sat on the toilet or the toilet floor, holding my head in my hands, just wanting it all to stop. Now, I started my periods at the age of 13, but they were never regular. And as I got older, the migraine attacks became more frequent and my periods even more irregular. By my early 20s, I'd go for a year without a period, then suddenly one would come out of nowhere and it would last for days, even weeks. My longest period was 60 days and the doctors had to give me tablets to stop the bleeding. My symptoms were completely debilitating. Some days I couldn't get out of bed, let alone go out of the house and go to work. At the time, my mum worked as a nurse at Royal Preston Hospital. You see, I'm a Lancashire lass by birth. Manchester is my adopted home. I had seen numerous GPs since the age of 15, probably a dozen, a mixture of male and female, who all said the same thing to me. Miss Lee, 99% of women have normal periods and 1% just don't. Once you've had a baby, they'll probably go back to normal. Well, one, my periods had never been normal, and two, that didn't explain all the other weird symptoms I was experiencing excruciating pelvic pain all month, excessive hair growth, severe acne on my face, especially bad around my mouth and my chin. In fact, I'd been bullied all through my school days for these two symptoms alone. Years later, the irony of what those doctors said to me was not lost. I didn't ovulate at all. So getting pregnant and having a baby was never going to happen naturally. And that's another thing I've had to deal with over the years from friends, family members, even strangers, the question of children. The most popular of questions being, when are you having a baby? My mum was at the end of a tether just as much as I was, frustrated by my symptoms, time off work and the lack of empathy from the medical profession. Finally, after much badgering, I was referred to Bury General as I was living in Radcliffe in Bury at the time. I was referred for a scan on my pituitary gland, as they suspected a pituitary gland tumour might be causing my symptoms, but that came back clear. So it was back to the drawing board, more GP visits, more frustration, more pain and more time off work. One day whilst on shift my mum was chatting to one of the consultants Sean. She mentioned all the trouble we'd been having and Sean asked her what my symptoms were. When she began describing them he said that sounds like PCOS and my mate David Polston over at Salford Royal has written papers on it. Try to get Joe a referral to him. It was a huge relief. Finally, a possible explanation for symptoms. I wasn't imagining them. I wasn't going crazy. I wasn't dying. Then came the battle to get a referral to David, one of my many throughout the nearly 30 years that he took care of me. But that's another story for another episode. Because I lived in Radcliffe and not Salford, at first my GP refused to refer me. But eventually he relented and I got my referral. That first appointment with David was surreal. I walked in, we had a little chat about my symptoms and he said the words, I have no doubt you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, but I'm going to take bloods and I'm going to order an ultrasound, more for your benefit so that you can see what's going on and be informed. The results of the ultrasound showed an abnormal thickness of the lining of the uterus, which is a common occurrence in PCOS and cysts within my ovaries that look like a string of pearls. Again, another classic sign of PCOS. My blood test results confirm all the markers for PCOS were there, raised prolaxin, testosterone, estrogen, and luteinizing hormone levels, as well as a low follicle-stimulating hormone level. I asked him why these markers hadn't been picked up in previous blood tests, of which I'd had many, and his reply was simply because they didn't test them tested baseline hormone levels not the specific hormone markers for PCOS. He gave me a leaflet but he explained everything in detail and he went through my treatment options which were limited to the contraceptive pill or HRT. Now I even tried metformin for a while which is a diabetic medication which had been found to kickstart ovulation and bring balance to the reproductive system. For the next nearly 30 years David took care with me and with a few bumps along the way mainly problems getting re-referred to him when I needed to see him because he'd often sign me off because I was doing so well. In the latter years, before he retired, I was seeing him every 10 weeks for Prostrap injections supported by HRT, which basically mimicked menopause, effectively switching the ovaries off. In that last 30 years, he and natural therapies such as reflexology, Reiki and essential oils, along with herbal supplements, a low GI diet, and intermittent fasting kept me pretty much symptom-free. No periods, no pelvic pain, no acne, massively reduced bouts of anxiety and depression, just the excessive hair growth, the mood swings, and migraines to deal with, but these were much less frequent. Now, as I approach 52, I'm experiencing new and old symptoms and a change in my PCOS, and with no David. But his advice is ringing in my ears and still inspires me to this day. He always used to say to me, Joe, you know your own body better than any doctor. You know what feels right and what feels wrong. You also know your condition inside out. The lessons my PCOS journey has taught me are give your mind, body and spirit what they need. Lots of TLC, the right nutrition, including lots of fresh fruit and vegetables, vitamins and minerals, love, enough sleep, exercise, less stress, and limiting the amount of fatty and sugary foods and drinks you consume. Taking care of yourself can improve PCOS symptoms. There is no known cure, but especially healthy eating and being active can really help. Following a low GI diet is particularly helpful, has been for me and for many sufferers. Glycemic Index, GI, is a ranking system showing how quickly your blood sugar rises after eating different carbohydrates. Low GI diets, eating foods that cause your blood sugar levels to raise slowly can help reduce the symptoms of PCOS. This is because eating low GI foods can improve insulin levels. Insulin is a hormone which helps the body use energy from food and as I mentioned earlier, lots of women with PCOS are resistant to the effects of insulin and therefore have more insulin in their blood to compensate. Insulin also increases testosterone levels, which can upset the balance of hormones in the body and lead to acne, excessive hair growth and irregular periods. You might find that swapping some high GI foods for low GI foods is helpful, even if you don't need to lose weight, as it's been shown that low GI diets improve the body's ability to respond to insulin, as well as regulate periods in women with PCOS. And a massive lesson I've learned is to stand your ground with a medical profession. Yes, they have medical degrees and GPs have a general knowledge of lots of pathology. But as David said, you know what feels right and what feels wrong too. Being informed and researching, I have found to be essential and not being fobbed off too. I'm amazed that clients I'm working with today are still experiencing issues getting referred and diagnosed, with many doctors still of the attitude that it's just women's problems. But as the risk factors prove, PCOS can have serious consequences for your health, so it's imperative that you get the right diagnosis and subsequent treatment. So if you or someone you know is struggling, there is help available there are options but you need to be informed, you need to do research, you need to stand up for yourself and you need to ask for help. I'm here ready to listen and help where I can. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope you found the discussion and the tips covered really helpful. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and a review and share it with your friends and family. Pop along to our website at thefullspectrumcentrelimited.com and join our self-care and wellness newsletter club. You'll receive our free 55-page principal self-care guide and workbook. Well, that's all for this episode, but I really look forward to seeing you next week. Take care and bye for now.